So, so far we've looked at flourishing in our faith. And the second one we looked at is flourishing in love. And this week we're looking at how we be an overcomer. And you know, God designed us to flourish in all areas of our lives, not just in faith and love, but in all areas of our lives. And so today, we're going to talk about how do we overcome in everyday life. So I think Expression Church is in such exciting days, and I see new growth, and I truly believe that I will see each and every one of you flourishing. And you know, the scripture we've been looking at this series is um, Psalm 92, and it talks about being strong, green, and vital. And I think this is just such an incredibly beautiful picture of flourishing and green and vitality. But you may say, well, yeah, that's a beautiful picture, but how does it apply to me when my life doesn't look so beautiful right now? The things I'm going through, what's happening around me isn't so beautiful. But you know, it's, you could say it's pretty easy to flourish if everything's right. In my life, it's easy to bloom and flourish. But what about when life is hard? How do we flourish through the hard times? You know, his word, it says we are already overcomers. So we know this, we are overcomers. First John 5, 4 to 5, if you'd like to turn with me. Reading from NKJV. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You know, so his word tells us very clearly that if we are saved through his blood, through his death on the cross, we become overcomers. But the fact is, not all Christians are living as overcomers. And maybe you've been through a time where you feel like you didn't know if you'd survive it if, or how you'd come out the other side. Or maybe you're just feeling the everyday pressures of life and they're just, they're just getting to you. So I want to share a little story. So this is a situation where I really had to use my faith to overcome the circumstances that were surrounding me. And you know, this past Friday, which was 22nd of February, marked eight years since the Christchurch earthquake, which was New Zealand's fourth biggest natural disaster. So I have a little video clip for us to watch. Um, This shows just a little bit of the before and after and the devastation that hit Christchurch.
Zealand's darkest day. At least 65 people are dead, many more injured. The magnitude 6.3 quake struck in the heart of the city of Christchurch. Pulling a body um, out of rubble um, that had fallen on a car. People with blood pouring down their faces, just, just walking in a daze. No one can be alive under this. Emergency services urged people to get out of the city. So it's just huge, it is huge. Um, you can just see the, the buildings that have lost their facades. Australia's offer of emergency help has been taken down the danger is far from over. Government here, to the survivors scared of just tremble again and, and then just panics Remembers where they where they were when that anyone remember when it happened? Yeah, everyone, pretty much everyone. So we had moved to Christchurch two years before this earthquake hit, and I remember when we first arrived. One of the things people were saying to me because they knew I was from Wellington was, "Oh, don't worry, we don't get earthquakes here." I remember that so clearly. Don't worry, we're not going to have earthquakes here. And, you know, growing up in Wellington, you, I've been through so many earthquakes. So, you know, and then when that first one hit, this was two years later after we had arrived, first one hit, and I was alone, um, had two babies. So Silvana was two, and Brock was five months old, so I was alone. Peter was actually here in Auckland, um, preaching, I think. And... I remember early in the morning, it was about 4.30 a.m. it hit, and I was awoken and literally thrown from my bed. And the first thing I did was ran to baby Brock, who was in his cot. The whole thing was shaking, and it really sounded like it was just going to bust up into pieces. So I picked him up and then ran to check on Silvana, and she was out to it. Fast asleep swaying side to side in her bed, but absolutely fascinating. I was like, phew, one less child to deal with. And so the next thing I did, I grabbed my phone and I called Peter and I said, did you feel that? He was here in Auckland and I assumed, because I'd never felt anything like this, it was just, you cannot imagine how big it really was. And I, so I said to him, did you feel that? I don't know if you remember that. And he's, he's waking up because it's 4.30 a.m. And he says, no, what, what just happened? And I said, we've just had a massive earthquake. And in that moment, I, you seriously think the world is ending. That's, that's all you can think is the world is ending. And so after that, so I put the phone down. And, you know, I started to feel like I'm strong. I'm a survivor. I did this on my own with two kids. I did this. I'm a survivor. And then Peter arrives home, and we had one teeny tiny little baby aftershock, and that was it. He lost it. And I remember him saying, I remember him saying to me, why aren't you scared? Why are you so calm? Anyway, so, we, so the next earthquake was February. So a few months later, February 22nd, the second earthquake hit. And this one, you know, you, I thought the first one was big. This one was so violent. You 
could not. I remember trying to run to pick up the kids off the floor and you take one step and it throws you to the other side. You cannot move. It was just so violent. And, you know, afterwards we didn't realise the devastation that surrounded us because you just go back and you think, oh, yeah, everyone was fine and safe in the first one. It's going to be the same. And, you, yeah, you just don't realise the devastation that's around you. But then the reports started coming in, both from our church members who had lost family and friends who had lost best friends in the buildings that had collapsed. And, you know, in that moment, we could feel that death was surrounding us. And, you know, you could say that it's very easy to feel the fear in that moment because life as we knew it was completely flipped upside down. Everything that was normal was, was different. It was completely flipped on its head. And, you know, we had a choice. We could stay in that fear, allowing it to grip at our hearts, or we could trust God because we knew that this was the opportunity that the enemy was going to try and get in. And, you know, it, it didn't happen overnight, but it took a few days, and we really prayed, God, help us to walk this journey in peace. It wasn't ever going to be easy, but we knew that he would guide us through it. And, you know, watching this video now, it doesn't bring up fear, but I can honestly say that God helped us through, and I just remember the strength that he gave us to help us through when looking at our circumstances, it didn't look hopeful, and everywhere we looked, there was death. But he truly helped us through. And, you know, it's so important to be on the other side of your trial with a good testimony and not looking back with a bad memory. And, you know, you may say, well, I haven't actually lived through a natural disaster. Anyone live through? No? <laughs> no, but I don't know. Sometimes life can feel like the walls are crumbling down around us, which in the natural for us, Literally, they were, but in your life, you can feel like everything is falling down around you and you're struggling just to keep your head above water. But how can we walk those seasons of life as overcomers? So I'm looking at Matthew 26, and this is the story of where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's at in grief to the point of death. You know, we can learn so much by how he walked through his suffering. So if you've got your Bibles, let's read this. Matthew 26, 36 to 41. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, 
My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. So looking at this passage, how can we learn from this? How can we have an overcoming spirit in everyday life? So the first point that I'm looking at with this is we need to be willing. So we need to be willing to have an overcoming spirit. Does anyone here prefer just not to go through trials? I know I do. (laughs) I'd prefer not to go through it. But, you know, when Jesus prayed, take this cup, he was fully surrendered to his Father's will. His preference was that the cup should be removed if it was within his Father's will. But in that, he was completely willing to do his Father's will. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 11 and 12. But now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does. So our minds must be willing first. If first there is a willing mind, our minds must be willing to have that overcoming spirit. And I don't know about you, but you're probably thinking, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't I want to have an overcoming spirit? Of course I want to have an overcoming spirit. But then our minds and our mouths say something completely different when we dwell on that problem. And, you know, we start talking over it and dwelling on it. And I think it's easy to go back to our default, which is what's comfortable. So if in the past it failed or it didn't work, then we think, why would it work this time? But you know what? God makes all things new and the old is gone. So there is so much more ahead of you, and with willingness and faith, we need to take hold of the new, and by using Colossians 3, which is setting your minds on things above. You know, when we were in the midst of this earthquake, the fact was that death surrounded us, but we had to choose. We had a choice to make to set our minds on things above, to set our minds on what God says. My second point is we must journey together. And in verse 37 and 38 of the same passage, it says that he brought Peter, James, and John with him. And, you know, he said to them, stay here and keep watch. And then the disciples proceeded to fall asleep. So I don't know about you, but when a close friend asks me to pray and keep watch with them, I'm going to do it, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. But maybe if they're going through intense grief, then I'll be feeling that grief too, and I can see how you would become exhausted. 
but now I've got two of my close friends with me, and surely one of us would be able to take the night shift and stay awake and keep watch over the others. But you, you may say, this is a given with friends, we're going to watch out for each other. But now imagine Jesus is asking you, stay here and keep watch. And, you know, in his word, Galatians 6, it says, bear each other's burdens. And I remember a time when um, Leo had been in hospital and he had just been released from hospital and the doctor said to us, you know, you need to um, stay stay on watch with him because he had had some severe breathing problems and we had to keep watch throughout the night. So Peter and I took turns to wake up, to check on him, to give him his medicine. One would sleep, the other one would get up. And you know what? If we had fallen asleep, we wouldn't be fulfilling our responsibility to him. And this is the same with our friends. You know, we need to help our friends bear their burdens, to walk it with them. You know, Jesus took others with him, not only in the good times, but he took them when he was at his absolute lowest point, when he was suffering to the point of death, he took friends with him. And so are you keeping watch with someone? You may think that I don't have anyone that I can trust right now, but it's so important to pray and ask God and seek that person out so that you can spur each other on, not to dwell on your problems together, but to spur each other on. To truly flourish, we need to be well planted in God's house. And part of being planted is journeying with others around us. And so I have this picture. These are some of the most dangerous roads. So just looking at this middle one, so does anyone actually like to drive these sorts of roads? Anyone? I know I don't, but I know as soon as we get onto these bendy roads, you know, we have a lot of them in New Zealand, a lot of curvy, bendy roads. My husband instantly thinks he's like a professional rally driver. So, so much fun. So, so, but, you know, if we stand back and look at our lives, they may look a little like this, the one in the middle. So we're standing back, we're looking at our lives. Yeah, we've been through a lot. We've been all over the place through so many different trials. You know, but to go up, we can't avoid those bends. And in life, we're going to have those bends. But it's not how we go. It's not avoiding those bends that really matters, but it's the how we go through it and how we come out the other side of that bend Will you have a good testimony at the other side of that bend? So now imagine driving this all on your own. You're in your car, you're all by yourself, driving this alone. And I remember a time that Peter and I, we were driving, 
So we were driving to the French Pass. I don't know if you guys know where that is. I still am unsure, but it's it's far, far out. And it took us a long time to get there. And so we would take turns. We were taking turns driving, windy roads, cliffs, all sorts. And of course, on my turn, when I drive, there's a cliff. So we, <laughs> we have to go up the cliff. And I'm like, right, I can do this. And it's a really narrow road. And so we're driving it up. And I was like, yep, this is fine. This is good. And, you know, for the last two hours of driving, we hadn't seen a single person or a single car to be seen. This was like out in the wild. But of course, at that moment, as I'm driving up, another car starts coming down towards me. And I'm like, okay, so how do I do this? And so how we did it was we just slowed right down. And to get past, because it was so narrow, I needed help. There's no way I was going to do this on my own. And I remember Peter was head out the window looking at the edge of the cliff and afterwards, not at the time, afterwards he said we were this close to the edge. So I'm glad I didn't know that at the time. But, you know, I couldn't have done it without him. I needed him to help me navigate through. (laughs) Sit down. So, you know, we are going to be so much stronger with Christ in the driver's seat with us and a navigator. Isn't that so true? I want to encourage you to ask yourself, do you have someone in your life? And I'm not talking about husband and wife because that's a given. But do you have someone that you're taking along with you to keep watch with you? And I want to encourage you to pray about this and really ask God who you can take with you. And so coming to my third point, are you feeding your faith, not your fear? You know, Jesus goes directly to his father in his pain. He knew exactly where his strength was coming from and how he was going to overcome this. You know, Jesus was fully God and fully man, but without sin. But we, as man in our sinful nature, have a tendency to talk through every part of our problem. And in doing that, we feed our fear. You know, I remember just recently I had a long list of things to do, and it was growing and it was growing, and there were deadlines. And the stress was building within me and then all of a sudden it just came out in a big panic, you know? And I remember Peter was driving at the time and he laid hands on me right there and said, you lying spirit, get out right now. And you know, we so need people with us to help us to tell us that, don't we? But you know, it's learning to take that problem to God rather than letting it dwell inside of us, take it to God first. And, you know, we all, we all know that God loves us, right? But do we truly trust that love to come through for us? You know, the story of the disciples in the boat, in the storm, they were with Jesus, they were, um, a huge storm came up. 
And, you know, the disciples, they suddenly panicked and they woke Jesus up. And in the panic, they were feeding their fear. They knew that Jesus was there with them the whole time. He was asleep. He hadn't gone anywhere. But instead of feeding their faith, that love himself was right there with them in the boat, they panicked and they were feeding their fear. And, you know, this doesn't mean that fear is not going to be there in our lives. It's, it will still be there. But we are called to come out from under the shadow of fear. And like in Psalm 91, it says, live under the shadow of the almighty God. So we won't give in to it. We move forward despite the fear. And to feed our faith, we need God's word. It is so important to have it inside of us. When fear rises up, we can speak it out because we have it in us. Romans 4.17 God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So when fear says we can't, he says we can. And we can't always see it, but he calls it into existence. You know, in hard times, it's so easy. I don't know about you, but I always tend to do the what ifs. What if I fail? What if I'm just not cut out for this? But there's really, there's no what ifs in God. In agreement with his word, we need to speak out his word over those doubts. Speak out his word in faith over our problem, I am an overcomer. And you know, this is not the power of our words, but it's the life-giving power of God's word, and he will be faithful to his promises. I've learnt how important it is to apply his word to everyday life. I'm thinking of the final words that Jesus said when he was on the cross, some of the final words he said were, it is finished. And, you know, he's saying that he has won the victory. It's won. It's, it's done. And we can apply these three words. You know, when we are fearful, we speak over, it is finished. In our sickness, it is finished. When I'm overwhelmed, it is finished. Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And I remember quite a long time ago now, someone came to me and they were like, I see you as a lioness. And at the time I was like, no, I'm kind of more like a little kitten or something. Maybe a lion cub, but definitely not a lioness. And... You know, it's so important that we, it, like we, it's not how we see ourselves, but it's how God sees us. And what does his word say about us? And he says in his word, we are overcomers. I choose to continue to feed my faith with what he says in his word I am more than a conqueror. He didn't give me a spirit of fear, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
And you know, this is, is not a one-off thing. We become an overcomer and that's it, we're done. It's not a one-off thing. Every day, I need to choose to be willing. I need to choose to journey with those who are around me. And I need to choose to feed my faith on his word every day. So I want to ask you, are you willing today to have willingness to be an overcomer, to journey with those around you, and to feed your faith and not your fear? You know, I know that when we overcome, we trample the enemy's plans for evil, and God receives all the glory. So just as the worship team start to come forward, I'd like to pray over everyone. And, you know, we're going to move into a time of ministry, but let's just, let's just pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for each and everyone here, Lord God. We thank you that your word says we are overcomers. Lord, we pray that you would help us to journey this every day with an overcoming spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you have had the final say and that it is finished. You've already won the victory over our lives. We no longer need to dwell on our problems, but we look to you. Lord God, let us feed our faith. Let that faith rise up within us, Lord God. Let our eyes be fixed on you, Lord God. And so we declare that in this place that we are overcomers in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to hand over to Peter in a minute um, as we enter into a time of ministry. But, you know, I'd really like for the team to be able to pray for everyone here. So please don't hesitate to come forward. We want to stand with you in agreement that you are an overcomer and believe together for God's strength to fill you. Amen? Amen.